This is Amateur Logic, episode 158 for July 15th, 2021. This episode of Amateur Logic is brought to you by MFJ, the world leaders in amateur radio accessories, and by ICOM, serving the public when it matters. Welcome to another AmateurLogic.tv. I'm George. I'm Tommy. And I'm Mike. And it's great to see everyone tonight. Well, actually, the only people I see are Tommy and Mike, but I know there's other folks out there as well. I see them in the chat room. Actually, Speaking don't let them fool you. We can see you through there. Yep. AmateurLogic.tv slash chat. Join us over there if, you know, if you're watching live. If we're not live, you're watching the recording well, it might be kind of quiet in there. There are actually some people that hang out in there all the time. Yeah, it is. I'm not one of them, but there are. Actually, I have been for the last month, but I didn't realize it. So, Tommy, what's been going on? Well, we had field day since we were last here, so yep. that was fun. thought I was going to have to go by myself. Uh, you had something else come up, but I ended up finding somebody to go with me. You, you'll see who it was in a minute when we do my segment. Okay. Mike, what's been going on up there? Uh, regarding the field day, I uh, I worked a little bit of field day. I wasn't too serious about it, but uh, I did manage to make some contacts. And actually, I had a little fun uh, this time being uh, solo, not working uh, with a club, Um I started to uh, try to chase down different sections, and um, I managed to grab quite a few, although it didn't tally up to a lot of a lot of points, but I had a lot of fun uh, collecting different uh, sections this time. Okay. And y'all just had a weather event up there, what, yesterday, huh? Yeah, we did. Unfortunately, uh, we had a, uh, it was uh, declared an EF2 tornado touchdown. That happened around 3 p.m. yesterday afternoon, um, and a lot of a lot of folks are kind of critical of the uh, the weather weather people for the lack of notification. Although in in cases of tornadoes, uh, you know that that kind of advanced warning uh, usually don't get too much notice in advance anyway. But um, in this case, it caught a lot of people off guard. And uh, there was quite a bit of damage, and I think there's about 100 people um, basically out of their home right now. A lot of two-story homes lost uh, their second floor, yeah, a lot of roof damage, and uh, flipped over trailers and automobiles and such. Wow. Yeah. It's never good when a tornado comes through. Nope. Does that happen very often up there? Uh, this is the, uh, the only the second big one. We had a big one in 85. And it, and I wasn't living in the area at the time. It was about two years prior to me moving up here. Um, and apparently it was part of a big system that came up through uh, uh, the Carolinas and Pennsylvania and Ohio. And end up we're, we're actually the very end, north end of Tornado Alley. So it's, it's not a lot unusual for us to get tornadoes up here. But um, the last big one was in 85. But that one's caused a lot more damage i think it was a uh, an f4 at the time mm-hmm. um, this was an ef2 which i saw the damage an ef2 did i wouldn't want to would have been a wanted to be around when the when the ef4 yet i hear you yeah i saw yeah. some pictures of that pretty bad yeah i unfortunately didn't do field day this year i had some other things going on that weekend and was not able to do it but there's always next year. So, I don't know, maybe I'll get out there. I'm wearing the shirt like I was QRP and out, out doing it. Yeah, it's QRP night tonight. 
Mike's got his on too. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a little out of. Uh, I'm a little different shade, although it doesn't look that way when I when I look at it here. But on video, I can see it's more of an olive olive green than it is uh, forest green, I guess. Yeah. So, Tommy, I uh, I suspect you're going to have a video on field day tonight. Definitely. And I'm going to have one on. Well, I'm just going to call it distortion exploration. And Mike, what will your subject be tonight? Well, I've got a, a neat little software application. Um, you may remember the OpenWebRx uh, demo that I did uh, several episodes ago. This is along the same the same lines, but uh, it's it's not web-based. It runs in an app, and it's very cool. And it actually, um, I'm going to show the digital uh, decoding aspect of the program. So it's going to be uh, kind of neat to listen to uh, the various digital modes, DSTAR, DMR, uh, YSF, NXDN. Cool. Yeah. Well, to get on into our emails and posts and such, Mike, you're up first with, I'm going to guess this is some kind of microcontroller. Yes, that's the uh, the Jupiter Nano, um, which is uh, I I think it's kind of um, a Kickstarter right now. I don't think it's available yet, but it's claimed to fame as I think it may be the first little controller that can run Linux on a chip, and uh, it's it's actually kind of neat. It's it's made for uh, for Arduino users, but it has quite a quite a bit more performance than the Arduino does. It has a hundred and twenty eight megs of ram on it which is considerably wow. more than the uh than the arduinos it's running on a uh, on arm cortex a5 and uh it's uh got some really cool features like even even a, a lithium uh polymer uh charging circuit built on board so it's going to be interesting to see i think i might order one when they become available cool well, we'll look forward to learning more about that there's been a lot of new microcontrollers come on the market in the last year. Or so. It really has. Some of them are really, really yeah. cool. Yeah. This one's kind of neat because you can run Linux. Um, it's it'll run a Linux uh, real-time operating system on it, um, and especially if you're uh, trying to do something that's, uh, you know, that you've got software available. Apparently, it's scalable from eight-bit to thirty-two-bit systems. So. Um, it uses uh, ANSI and POSIX standards. Okay. So it's going to be interesting to see when it comes out what kind of projects come out with it. Tommy, you want to set up your video for tonight? Uh, yeah, well, I kind of already did, but uh, it was field day, and uh, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. My original plan kind of fell through, so I grabbed my gear and took off, and, uh, well, this is kind of how it worked out. Well, it's field day 2021. I'm out here doing field day by myself again this year. Uh, we had some previous engagements and some personal things going on, and we just weren't able to pull off the uh, usual camping trip. Not to mention, it's been raining so bad that area is like a swamp out there. Well, let me go over what I'm using for field day this time. I've got my usual uh, Surface Pro 3 that I've used for several years. Uh, N1MM logger is on there and set up to communicate with my radio which is the, my IC705. I'm gonna be running QRP this year, so I'm not expecting to, to set any records with points, but I am gonna have a heck of a good time. And I'm looking forward to using it. This is my first time really out in the field with this since I've got it. I've used it around home some, uh, but I'm looking forward to, to using it out here. For power, I've got the battery pack on the radio, but I've also got a little eight amp hour a LIFEPO 4 battery, a little Amazon special I got, and I'm really anxious to see how this thing holds up. Uh, it wasn't very expensive, so I don't have high hopes for it, but we'll see. I, I'm thinking it'll probably last as long as I'm going to be able to stay out here today. Um, but I'll let you know. I'm going to be running the 5 watts QRP, though, so I can use the multiplier uh, for my points. So what few points I do get, at least they'll, they'll uh, increase somewhat. As for a tuner, I've got an AH705 coming, but it hasn't made it yet, so I borrowed this little uh, Soda Beams Adventure Tuner George built on Ham Nation several years ago. Uh, it's a QRP tuner, 
It's a little bit kind of different to use than some of the ones that I've used before, but it does work. To make tuning a little bit easier, I brought my U-Kit's antenna analyzer I got from MFJ. I don't remember the model number, but I'll put it right below here. But uh, it's really handy, it's small. I've got batteries in it and these batteries last an eternity. Uh, things are very, very handy. For my antenna, I'm using my MFJ Big Ear that you've seen me use quite a few times before. I really like that thing. It's, it's so easy for me to set it up. In about 10 to 15 minutes, I can have it on the tripod, guide off, uh, bring some rope and some tent stakes, and have the antenna fully extended and the coil tapped to the, to the band that I want to use, which is going to be 40 starting off today. So let's see if we can make some contacts. Well, look who just showed up. My help showed up kind of late. This is the same one that usually shows up after George and Wayne have the camp set up. November 5, Zulu, November Oscar. Uh, November 5, Zulu, November Oscar. November 5, Zulu, what? Zulu, Zed, November Oscar. Okay, November 5, Zulu, November Oscar. One Delta, Western New York. Uh, one Bravo, Mike Sierra. One Bravo, Mississippi. Thank you for the contact. Busy place. November 5, Zulu, November Oscar. November 5, Zulu, November Oscar, go. One Bravo, Mike Sierra. One Bravo, Mike Sierra. Okay, thank you for that. Copy 3 Alpha, Whiskey India, over. Uh, QSL, good luck. November 5, Zulu, November Oscar. Whiskey 4, Whiskey Kilo Uniform, Fox Trot, November Lima, India. Victor Kentucky, Whiskey Alpha 2, Charlie Papa. November 5, Zulu, November Oscar. With November 5, Zulu, November Oscar, 2 Fox Trot, November Lima, India. Uh, QSL, 1 Bravo, Mike Sierra, 1 Bravo, Mississippi. Good luck. Uh, you faded out on me. The uh, exchange again, the exchange again. One Bravo, Mike Sierra. Thanks for Mississippi, 73, Whiskey Alpha 2, Charlie Papa, Field Day. Well, I had a pretty nice spot here. I think I may come back here in the future and operate some. But uh, anyway, Field Day's been really nice. I've made a few contacts. I'm, I'm not going to break any records like I was thinking, but I've had a great time. And unfortunately, I'm going to have to head on home and take care of some things. My field Day's not over until tomorrow afternoon, so I'll probably be back on. Actually, I know I'll be back on from home tonight and tomorrow until it's over with. But uh, my little excursion, unfortunately, has come to an end. I'm really happy with my gear. My computer held up fine. My battery's been going all day. My IC705 has been great. The audio's great on it. The battery life has been fantastic. I didn't turn off the Wi-Fi or the GPS or anything. If I look at my battery here, my little LifePo, I've still got 13.1 volts and it's a 12.8 volt battery, so it's still got a lot of life left in it. And I have done a lot of talking, a lot of calling on here. And uh, I've run five, five watts all day. I did try 10 a few times uh, to see if it made much difference. Um, but anyway, all of my contacts are uh, that I've logged are all on 5 watts. My little LifePo battery, I'm really happy with it. It was cheap, uh, Amazon cheap thing. Um, almost didn't buy it because I'm afraid it wasn't going to be any good, but I'm really happy with it. Um, the little tuner I got from George has been kind of uh, nice. It's, I haven't had to tune the big ear as many times as I normally would. I only had to tune it once when I changed bands from... Uh, 40 down to 20 meters but uh, it's been nice um, it's a lot of work to get it in to get it tuned without the antenna analyzer it'd be kind of hard to uh, to use uh, but that's that's kind of a lifesaver as well 
But I've had a really good time and uh, look forward to next field day. Hopefully we can get out and go back to the woods. 73. That was really cool. Yeah. I told you I had some help. Yeah. He, he wasn't much help, though. <laughs> Didn't look like it. No. I, I, uh, <laughs> you finally figured out how to be in two places at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was sitting there and uh, thinking about that. I was like, it would be nice if somebody was, else was here. Then I thought about that, so I set that up. Anyway. So was anybody hey, else uh, there? No. There wasn't anybody around at all. Wow. There's hardly ever anybody in that area. Hmm. Uh, you know, it's, well, most people just pass through and stop and then go on. So. But I got all the way down the swear- end by myself. Was that I could swear that I saw Emil go by on that pontoon boat with an <laughs> umbrella drink in his hand. There were a lot of boats going by there. That was probably the downside. Uh, that one thing when I said there's a busy place, there was a helicopter flew over and a jet boat went by. Wow. Ed wants to know, was that 5 or 10 watts? Uh, I ran 5 watts. All the contacts that you saw, they were all 5 watts. Okay. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. That should not even be possible. Yeah, and that that was all on my big ear. And uh, I forgot to bring the spool of uh, rope I used to guy it off, so I had to, like, recycle the old rope that was on there that had been cut. So I wasn't able to extend my tripod up as I wanted to. Hmm. Okay. Well, you know, I would have liked to have been there. You didn't mention that particular site until well, saving the best one. afterwards. Well, I, yeah, apparently so. Actually, it was a good place. I, w- I would go back there for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. That that does look like a nice spot, particularly if it's setting up something quickly like that. That's mm-hmm. off the Natchez Trace. Yeah, there's actually a bathroom right up the road there and everything. So. Yeah. Cool. Well, we're going to be back in just a moment. And, I don't know, I'm going to do a little bit of trash talking. Not, well. Some smack talk? Yeah, sort of. (laughs) If space is at a premium in your ham station, then MFJ's got a solution. The MFJ 4230MV Mighty Light is the world's most compact switching power supply, and it includes a meter and adjustable voltage control. At just 5 inches wide by 2.5 inches high and 3 inches deep, it weighs only 3 pounds. It's perfect not only for space-limited installations, but also pack-and-go for field day, de-expeditions, camping, hiking, or on your next business trip or vacation to some faraway place. The MFJ 4230MV gives you 25 amps continuously or 30 amps surge at 13.8 volts. A front panel control allows you to vary the voltage anywhere from 4 to 16 volts. Input voltage is selectable between 120 and 240 volts AC at 47 to 63 hertz, so you can use it almost anywhere in the world. The MFJ 4230MV Power Supply's front panel meter is selectable for voltage or amps. Excellent 75% efficiency and extra low ripple and noise of less than 100 millivolts make this supply a clean source of power for your rig. Some competing switching power supplies generate objectionable RF hash in your transmitted and received signals, but the SuperClean MFJ Light supplies meet all FCC Class B regulations. The unit cools by convection and includes a whisper-quiet fan and heat sensor that increases the fan speed as necessary to keep things cool. DC output is provided on five-way binding posts, or choose the MFJ4230MVP to include a pair of popular power pole connectors. All MFJ switching power supplies are protected by MFJ's famous, no matter what, one-year limited warranty. Check out the MFJ4230MV and the MFJ4230MVP. Visit MFJEnterprises.com today. Cool. I got that power supply. I thought you had that one. The good one. Yeah. I've got uh, the model right next to it. There's one that has a digital readout on it. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, they're both essentially the same power supply, really nice and compact mm-hmm. for 30 amps. I was going to say about, uh, I don't want to just dwell on it, but did you see the little battery I had on my field day? 
segment, a little Lifepo battery. Lifepo, L-I-F-E-P-O. It was an 8 Lithium amp battery. iron phosphate? Yeah. Uh, that that thing was amazing, man. It it lasted and lasted and lasted the whole day there. It still had a lot of power left in it. So I may do a short or something on that at some point and show it. Maybe. And anyway. I, I bet you that weighs next to nothing, too. It, it does. It, you pick it up and you think it's empty almost. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Was it very expensive? No, it was really cheap. Uh, now, uh, BioNO makes some stuff, and I'm sure they're way better batteries, um, but it uh, it was pretty inexpensive, and it says it's 8 amps. I, I imagine you probably won't get 8 amp hours out of it, but uh, it lasted all day for me, which is all I cared about when I bought it. Yeah. Cool. Well, my segment tonight is going to be on a project that I started out to do one thing, and it kind of veered off into something else. And ended up, I needed to do a little explaining. Distortion Exploration. That's the title of this segment. It began a few weeks ago on the last episode of Ham College. There was a question on there asking how you would check for intermodulation distortion on a single sideband transceiver. The answer was you would use a two-tone generator with unharmonically related tones. I just happen to have one here. This is a kit I built several years ago. It's a Hendrix kit from QRPKits.com. It generates a 700 hertz and a 1900 hertz tone. And it allows you to mix them and feed them to your transmitter. This version of the kit used two oscillators with transistors. Then it had one integrated circuit as the output amplifier on it. Well, now they've updated the kit a little bit. Rather than Hendrix, it's now Pacific Antenna. It's still at QRPKits.com, but it uses three integrated circuits and a couple of FETs and two batteries. I suspect the reason they changed this circuit and went with the additional battery is to improve the performance. In other words, get down lower distortion in the test equipment itself. Tommy said he thought it would be a good idea to look at measuring intermodulation distortion. I thought so, too. However, once I started down this path, I found out there's a few other things that we probably need to cover before we even talk about that, and that's the test equipment itself. I have several oscillators, but we're going to pull out this one as well. This is a Tenma 72-505 audio generator. It's got fixed frequency steps on it. It's only a single tone. That's fine. We'll start out simple. I'm going to connect this single tone oscillator to my Siglent SDS-1202X-E digital storage scope. Now, this is a really nice scope. I was very fortunate last year to receive the Homebrew Heroes Award for 2020. The scope was one of the prizes that I received with it. I have not used it a lot yet. I'm still getting familiar with it, and I thought this might be a good opportunity to look at some of the extra functions on it. First, let's just put in, well, let's say a 1 kilohertz tone. And we'll look at that using the oscilloscope. And it's what we expect, sine waves here. And if we went through and actually did some measuring here and some calculating, we could come up and find that this is 1,000 hertz. What's nice about these new scopes, though, is many of them have a frequency counter built in it. We can see right there it's 1.01239 kilohertz. Close enough to 1,000 hertz. One of the neat things about this scope is the math functions that are built in. We can press the math button, and we've got a variety of options. We're going to choose the FFT operator. And we'll make a few other settings on here as well. Our source is going to be number one. The window type we're going to use for this experiment is Blackman. And I'll set the center for, I don't know, let's say 1 kilohertz.
We see zero hertz here. We ignore that. The center is 1,000 hertz, and we can see that displayed right here. This would be 1,500. That's 2,000 hertz. So we have a little second harmonic here. And we see a third harmonic pop up there every now and then. Is that something to be concerned about? Well, let's see. We'll turn on our cursors. I'll turn off the X cursor, go to the Y cursor. Cursor Y1. I'll roll that right here to the very top of that signal. And then go to cursor 2. Let's lower it down to the top of the second harmonic there. And it calculates out for us here. That's what's nice about these math functions. Not only can we do FFTs, we can also do some calculations with the cursors. So that's telling us right here. First, we probably want to set the source to math. Now it's going to make this easier. There's 48 dB difference between those two cursors there. That's almost 50 dB down for the second harmonic, which I guess is not bad for an inexpensive oscillator. Now let's switch over. Let's look at the little two-tone oscillator. We'll start out by just turning on the 700 hertz section. And I will want to make some settings here to the center Hertz per division, we'll leave that at 500 for now. Center frequency, let's change that. Uh, I don't know. Let's change it to 700 hertz. There we go. 700 hertz right here in the center. You see that little spike right there next to where zero hertz would be? Let's check that out. To do that, we'll need an X cursor. And let's get cursor number one there. And we'll roll it over. Seventy hertz. I'm going to say that is probably sixty hertz that we're seeing. All right, if we roll on up here, there is 700 hertz right there. Now let's get cursor number two. Let's roll it out there. Well, it says 1410 hertz, close enough. And it's telling us the delta X is 710 hertz. That means the difference between this cursor mark and this one is 700 hertz. So that tells us plainly that is the second harmonic. We'll scroll on over a little further. This one is 1410 hertz above this mark. That tells us that's the third harmonic, which is a little more third harmonic on this one than there was on that other oscillator. Now let's measure the levels of those. Get cursor 1, Y. Scroll that right to the top. Let's get cursor 2. So our second harmonic here, 43 dB down. Similar to where we were a while ago. However, third harmonic is about 50 dB down. Yeah, that's probably good enough for what we're going to do with this oscillator. But could be better. So now what happens if we turn on both oscillators? Oh, look, we've got a lot more stuff on here. 700 hertz right there. This one is going to be 1900 hertz. We know that because 1900 
is the center frequency. And then we've got all these other spikes sitting out here. Those are mostly harmonics. But let's just see. One thing to note here, though, is we've got some down here below either of those frequencies. That's going to be the product of 700 hertz and 1900 hertz mixing together. Go to cursor number two. So that's going to be the 60 cycles. But right up from that, we've got another little spike there. That's at 130 hertz. Another one there, 190 hertz. Another one at 310 One there at 430, 490. So you can see these are not necessarily adding up like second harmonics or third harmonics. These are multiples of our original two oscillator frequencies. Now the thing we look for when we're going to do a test of intermodulation distortion, we put those two tones in and then we're going to look for all this kind of stuff right here. When we find spikes in there that are not harmonically related with whole numbers to our original two signals, then we've got intermodulation distortion. In other words, it won't be um, second harmonic, third harmonic, fourth. It might be uh, 2.5, some decimal number like that. So what have we learned here? Before you go to measuring a piece of gear, you probably ought to connect up your test gear. In other words, what you're going to be using as a source and what you're going to be using as a destination to take the measurement with. And check those out. Find out how they perform on their own before you go putting a piece of equipment between them to measure it. That's a pretty cool scope. Um I'm not used to seeing those oscilloscopes with a widescreen on them, but that's really nice to be able to see a little beyond what you would normally see. Yeah, that's that's the same one I've got. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it is a nice scope. And, you know, I'll come back from the old analog Tektronics days where there wasn't anything but a waveform on your scope. There was no text, no cursors or anything. And being able to drag those cursors around and measure things on screen is really that uh, saves a, a heap of time. And, and like you had mentioned, uh, no math. Yeah, no math. It's all built I in. I was thinking about that uh, that new design of the two-tone generator and the two batteries. I'm wondering if it uses a, um, a bi-amp like a, that requires a split supply. I think it does. Uh, at first, I was thinking, well... Maybe they're running one of the oscillators off one battery and the other off the other so that, you know, they're they're not common to the positive voltage there. Maybe, you know, there was some kind of interaction between the two. But, no, as I, as I kind of glanced at the schematic of the new one there, it looks like it is a split supply because of the op amps. So uh, I'm thinking it must be cleaner than, than the one I had there. Because, you know, if if you're using a noisy oscillator to do your measurements with, all that stuff's going to be going through your rig or whatever it is you're trying to measure. So you need to kind of account for that, and the cleaner the better. I'm just wondering, uh, too, uh, for those people that have software modems, whether or not there'd be a software application to do a two-tone generation uh, you probably could, and I use some other devices to do a two-tone oscillator with as well. And I, I didn't have a, well, it was slightly different. Uh, 
some of the harmonics fell at different spots when I used different oscillators, and that was kind of interesting to me as well. And I had intended just to, you know, demonstrate uh, intermodulation distortion on a single sideband rig, but you kind of need to know what you're looking for, and you do need to check out your gear ahead of time to make sure your test gear is okay. And part of the stuff that didn't get shown there is I ran a square wave into the scope there to show what that does as well. And, you know, the harmonics you've got coming off a square wave are different than what you've got coming off a sine wave. And then I tried some some triangle waves and a lot of different type of waves. And, you know, each of them kind of had their own characteristics. But uh, that's the way that little... Uh, Hendrix kit oscillator looked, and I I had hoped it would be better than that. But then again, you know, you your rig is <clears throat> I doubt it's going to uh, it's the the intermod's not going to be fifty dB down on it. I wouldn't think. So I didn't measure one though, so I can't say. Uh, Tom is asking me, any idea how high the FFT function goes? Could you look at the spectrum of an HF transmitter with it? Yes, you could. Um, I didn't really look that hard at it, but it may go all the way to 200 megahertz. It's a 200 megahertz scope, and when I was dialing in and uh, trying to get down to the audio portion, I wanted to look at Several times I noticed it was up in the megahertz range for the center frequency. So I think it will because I made that uh, tap that time and I measured my uh, handy talkie on two meters. And you found it on there? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it would. It should, yeah. I'm thinking it probably does go out to 200 megahertz, which is pretty neat. You know, I, I own a spectrum analyzer as well. Uh, I've got the... Uh, a Rogal spectrum analyzer, and I've used it for RF stuff mainly. And why didn't I use it? Well, number one, I wanted to play some more with that Siglent scope, and I knew it had the FFT function in it. Number two, that Rogal spectrum analyzer goes up to 1.5 gig, but the bottom end is only 9 kilohertz, so I couldn't even measure any of this stuff with it. Interesting. Uh, so, yeah, Siglent was uh, perfect for doing that. I got to say, I think it behaved a little better than I was expecting, Th- talking about the scope now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did like the way, it, how easy it was to take those cursors and, and move around and look at stuff. That's just so much easier than the old way and so much quicker. A significant event in the history of technology happened yesterday, which was July the 13th. And it passed so quietly that we almost missed it. And I, I did miss it. Thanks to Mike for pointing it out to me. But uh, the last few remaining NTSC transmitters in the USA finally went off the air, marking the end of over seven decades or 70 years of continuous 525-line American analog TV broadcasts. And, you know, there's always uh, the Europeans use PAL, and uh, we have... Uh, NTSC here, and you can read more about it right there at the URL that's on your screen. But uh, they always kind of gave us a hard time about the NTSC stuff. The uh, PAL had more lines and a little bit better picture quality. I can't remember. Are you sure the PAL had more lines? I thought it had less. 625 lines. Oh, I looked it up before. Oh, so you know what you're talking about. Yeah, 625. Cool. I'm, I'm just internet. trying to remember because it's it's such a long time ago, but I seem to remember Pal had better video quality, but uh, lesser audio quality. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong on that, but uh, I seem to remember that NTC had NTSC had a little edge over it when it came to the audio portion. Yeah. So all those uh, since it's gone, uh, all those uh, been hanging on to the little console. Uh, CRT TVs, you remember those big console TVs? Oh, yeah. Thinking they were going to come back in style? It's probably not going to happen. Mm, you could always get a modulator and make it happen. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, yeah, something I want to mention about that. I believe they said in the article they mentioned the Franken FMs mm-hmm. on there. You know, NTSC Analog Television Channel Six actually, yeah, it's two separate carriers on that system. You've got the visual carrier, which is AM, and you've got the analog carrier, which is FM. The FM audio transmission or oral transmission, mm-hmm. so we call it. We actually use. I've worked at a Channel Six mm-hmm. for a while. We actually had two different transmitters, one for each, and mm-hmm. that. And then they were combined, you know, behind the transmitters and going up to the antenna. But Channel Six oral falls at. I believe it's 87.7 megahertz. You can tune that on most FM radios. Yeah, I, I remember as a kid going back and listening to television at the bottom mm-hmm. end of the FM dial. Yeah. So that was kind of common over where I lived there at the time. Uh, people would tune it in on their stereo. I think In Concert was a show on ABC television back then. Mm-hmm. and you know, we'd broadcast it on the television. People could listen to it on their stereos, get a little better uh, sound out of it. There were a number of Channel 6 low-power TV stations in the U.S. Yeah. There was one right here in Jackson. Really? Did you? Yeah. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, there was one right here in Jackson, and they did the same thing. They would just throw up a, a still frame or something on the video just so they could claim that they were doing television, and then they would play a radio format on the audio. And so I think maybe they were playing oldies or something on the one that was here. And after the date occurred there, I tuned in to just go check and see if it was still on the air. If it was, it'd be illegal unless they had bought digital gear. Hmm. And as of yesterday, no, it was... It's gone. Oh, yeah. It's not on the air. So I guess they decided, you know, it's not going to be worth investing the money for uh, for digital yeah. television just to to yeah. have that on there. Yeah. That, that article was actually pretty interesting. The, the URL's on the show. Was, so anyway, go read it if you're interested in any of that. Yeah. Okay. I used to enjoy listening to... Uh, there was a Channel 6 station uh, when I used to do um, kind of my long five-hour drives uh, down to southern Ontario. Um, I used to listen to the uh, to, to television programs on, the, on one of the Channel 6 stations along the way, and it used to keep me entertained for probably, uh, I would say, close to an hour and a half before I got out of range. It was pretty good. Hmm. Cool. Well, we're going to be back in just a moment. Mike's going to tell us that mysterious SDR project that he's been experimenting with. You don't want to miss that. June kicked off hurricane season, and another rough wildfire season may be on the horizon. When natural disasters strike, cellular towers and power grids can quickly become overloaded and incapacitated. Emergency comms need to be instant, reliable, and allow interoperation with other organizations and agencies for relief coordination. Amateur Radio provides reliable emergency communications with the added security of system redundancy. In addition to ICOM's lineup of amateur D-Star, digital, HF, and analog radios, ICOM IC SAT-100 portable satellite radio and IP-501 HM LTE radios are an ideal solution for additional coverage. Use ICOM's VEPG-4 ROIP gateway to bridge these radios and more to various modern communication systems, creating a seamless network. You can count on ICOM. ICSAT-100 is the perfect handheld satellite radio for use outside of cellular or network range. By operating on Iridium's constellation of satellites, quickly and easily connect with other PTT devices, even from remote areas. Mobile versions are also available. One-to-many global comms with the push of a button. 
ICOM's IP501H and IP501M radios provide instant wide area coverage over LTE. By using an LTE network, you bypass the need for pre-existing infrastructure, allowing nationwide coverage without the added cost of building and maintaining your own. Instant wide area coverage over LTE with ICOM's ip 501 Connect to all these devices and more, even systems operating on different protocols with VEPG4 ROIP Gateway. From land mobile and LTE radios to IP communication terminals and IP phone systems, they work together to form one seamless and uninterruptible network, ensuring your comms are received. Bridge connection between radio systems, LTE transceiver gateway, IP phone interconnect, multi-site connection between VEPG4S and external equipment connection. ICOM's VEPG4 is the solution for your interoperability needs. Visit icomamerica.com amateur for more information on ICOM radios. Thanks, ICOM, for being a sponsor of Amateur Logic. You know, that's some pretty neat technology there because we're all hams and we, we think that's that's what everybody ought to use mm-hmm. for MCOM operations, but you're going to have to talk to some government agencies and things. And they yeah, have unfortunately, that. there's some people out there that aren't hams. Yeah. Yet, not yet. I've heard. Yeah. So you you'd think it was ICOM appreciation night with all the uh, with all the garb we're wearing tonight. <laughs> oh yeah. Hmm. And y'all just don't know how hard it was to chroma key in these green shirts with the green screen. But it looks good. It, it keyed out really well. Yeah. Okay, Mike. You're gonna have to tell us more about this. Uh, uh, this well, it comes with a bit of a disclaimer. I oh. overextended myself, <laughs> and uh, for this segment, I I didn't read the instructions or the documentation, so I was winging it all the way. And um, my uh, my my uh, I guess my loss is your gain by watching the video. You'll know exactly what to do. <laughs> I've got more to say about that after the fact. This time we're going to take a look at a really nice software app called SDR Angel. SDR Angel is an SDR or transceiver and signal analyzer front end to various hardware such as the AirSpy, BladeRF, HackRF, Lime SDR, Pluto SDR, RTL SDR, SDR Play RSP1, and FunCube. SDR Angel isn't new. It's been around for several years, but continues to be developed. In fact, there have been 277 releases to date. I'll be showing you how to receive and decode the digital modes using an inexpensive RTL-SDR dongle. Let's get started. The first thing we'll need to do is to download the software drivers for your hardware device and install. SDR Angel only supports 64-bit processors and you must be running a 64-bit operating system. Due to the processing involved, a Core i7 and 8GB of memory is recommended, although I'll be using a 4th generation i5 with 8GB of RAM. Since I'm using an RTL SDR dongle, I'll need to download and install Zadig. Go to the site and download the latest version. Be sure that your SDR device is plugged in and run Zadig. You should see an application window like this. It will read, Zero Devices Found. No worries, we haven't installed the device driver yet. Click on the Options tab and check List All Devices. I also needed to uncheck Ignore Hubs or Composite Parents to get my RTL SDR dongle to appear in the list. Click on the drop-down list box and locate your SDR hardware device in the list. Click on it to select. Note, most RTL SDR devices use an USB ID as shown here, and it should appear in the USB ID section. Click Reinstall Driver. The driver installation process should start. The installation process can take up to 5 minutes to complete. If all works properly, you should see a completed message like this. Click Close. Now head to the SDR Angel GitHub project page, scroll down to Releases, and click on Latest. Find the Windows installation executable file, click on it to download the file. 
Depending on your web browser, you may see some of these warning messages. Just click on See More and keep the file. You may be presented with several of these messages. Windows will warn you now. Click on More Info. Click on Run Anyway. The installation will start. Click Next to continue. Then I agree. For simplicity, I add the path for all users and create a desktop icon. Choose your destination folder or just go with the default. Finally, the SDR Angel installation process begins. Once the installation has completed, click Finish. Click on the SDR Angel desktop shortcut that was created, and SDR Angel should begin loading. When finished, you should see the SDR Angel console. Click on the View tab and click on Full Screen, or press the F11 key on your keyboard to maximize the display. Okay, here we are. Our SDR Angel application is loaded, and the first thing we need to do is add a device. And you do that by clicking on the Change Device box, and it's a set of little arrows. And then you're presented with this uh, dialog box here with a drop-down list. And here's all the current devices that it supports. In my case, I'm using an RTL SDR dongle. And you can tell by this little number here that my driver is installed. And without a driver installed and working properly and communicating with the device, you won't see anything here. So that's your clue. If you don't see anything next to your device, in terms of a device number, um, it it means you you need to go back and and troubleshoot the uh, the driver and make sure the device is communicating properly. So I'm going to go ahead and and uh, click OK. I'll click on it first and then click OK. And you're going to see this box up here change. Uh, now I I'm using uh, two mega mega samples per second, and uh, the higher you can go, obviously, the better the uh, the quality is going to be for the audio and this is going to vary depending on your hardware that you're using for your computer and such and also your hardware device so um, uh, if you're using an RTL SDR dongle uh, you can kind of mimic my settings here um, as starter and then uh, the next thing we need to do and oh yes uh, before that I should mention that uh, I mentioned in the previous slides that you need to go to full screen otherwise you'll have a hard time seeing uh, the demodulator section and that's in the channel section this is where you add your demodulators for the various uh, digital modes or analog uh, that you want to listen to and you do that by clicking the plus sign over here on the channels and if you click on the drop-down list, you'll see all the various uh, demodulators that are available. Uh, we're going to focus in on the DSB, DSD demodulator for, uh, for the uh, digital modes. But uh, you'll notice here that you've got your standard uh, narrowband FM uh, demodulator, wideband FM demodulator, which is used for uh, FM broadcast. Uh, there's also another FM broadcast demodulator, uh, which is a little nicer, gives you a little bit more uh, controls. Um, there's also an AM demodulator. Um, uh, I'm not going to go through the whole list, but uh, you can see it's it's quite extensive. But um, anyway, uh, for those of you who are familiar with DSD, having used SDR Sharp, um, you know uh, kind of the the challenge it is to set it up. Uh, you're going to see how easy it is with SDR Angel and DSD uh, Demodulator. So you basically just uh, point and click and click Apply and you'll see it appear over here. Now here's what you need to do. Um, you need to make this window a little bigger otherwise you are not going, whoops I added too many. You're not going to be able to see the button that allows you to close the window. So I'm going to remove one of these demodulators, and you do that by clicking the X. Okay, so we have our demodulator. We have our hardware device set up, and uh, this is currently set to my uh, frequency of my um, H or uh, sorry, my hotspot um, that's running uh, Pi Star. So 
uh, I click the little start button here and you're going to see uh, some activity down here on the spectrum display um, these are controls that you can you can change uh, you can change the direction of the waterfall display if you want um, you can actually turn it off if you wish you can turn grid lines on and off um, I'm not going to go into detail here uh, there's a lot of a uh, lot of uh, flexibility in terms of what you're able to do but let's let's see if we've got any activity here okay very good yeah uh, we're uh, mobile you can see by the and display here and this lock indicator and uh, tells us that we're, uh, we're locked on with a good signal. As my hot spot for the area. So when it switches between the repeater and the other, then it can get a little R52 in there. But uh, you know this 2,000 mile journey that we're on from Orlando, Florida to, to Mesa, Arizona, it has not been, uh, it has not been too bad through here. We have a few spots where we were uh, out in the countryside yesterday, but going down the freeway, not so much. W7FK. Uniform, Nick, Bezes, as you can see by the dashboard here, I've switched over to DMR, and I'm on the worldwide reflector, Reflector 91. Okay, thank you very much for your attention. Bye-bye, seven -bye, green. Yeah, I'm a, a motor yes, uh, a system fusion uh, driver, motorcycle, uh, but not not the uh, uh, the great machines. Only uh, 125 uh, cubic uh, with uh, with 12 horsepower. It's just for fun. That makes uh, makes me happy to to drive through the country and with my friends. Okay, I've switched over to NXDN. Actually, I'm calling through on Jeff K8JTK's DVMIS hub. And I'm listening on NXDN. I have my hotspot set, set up for NXDN. You'll notice that I've changed my bandwidth here to 2.4 kilohertz from 4.8. So let me give a call and see if Jeff's around. K-A-J-T-K, K-A-J-T-K, from VE3MIC. K-A-J-T-K, from VE3MIC. Nothing heard, VE3MIC clear. VE3MIC clear. I've only uh, really just scratched the surface. Um, as I mentioned, uh, SDR Angel's been around for, oh, I think the earliest date I saw on it was 2017. So it's been around for a while, and it continues to be uh, developed. In fact, um, when I started doing the uh, segment, uh, I noticed that, that there was another upgrade uh, to the software. Um, and I think uh, there's 277 uh, releases that have been made over those years. Wow. I didn't even know that existed. That's pretty cool. I'm going to have to check it out. Some of, some of the audio obviously sounded much better than uh, than the other ones, but that's uh, pretty cool. Yeah, I should point out um, that I was using uh, the software codecs. Uh, that are incorporated into, into SDR Angel or the uh, or the demodulator, the DSD demodulator. Um, I didn't get into uh, into that part of it, but you can specify and you can point it to if you have an Ambi server running uh, with say a um, a ThumbDV, 
um, you can point it at the thumb DV and have hardware decoding of the uh, of the actual ambi. Oh. Um, so I'm sure the audio quality would be much better. Yeah. Cool. I didn't even know that was around. Yeah, yeah, me either. I'm gonna look more into that. That's pretty cool. I mean, to to be able to monitor, I think for the longest time, um, the most challenging and surprisingly was uh, being able to uh, to listen to D Star um, without having a D Star radio, and uh, it does a pretty decent job. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Very neat. Well, I had something here I wanted to mention tonight. It's not an email. And it's not a post. Hmm. At least it's not a post from me. Well, mine wasn't either. Mine was actually a news article. Well, that's kind of what, well, yeah, sort of what this is. Are you guys familiar with Easy Neck? No, I'm not. Easy NEC? That's antenna modeling software? Yeah. It's been around for a number of years. This is that real popular antenna modeling software. That's uh, used a lot, and it has not been free. At least the Pro version has not. Pro 2 version is going to be free beginning in 2022. EasyNet Pro 4 is going to be discontinued, and there won't be supports or refunds after 2021. What's going on is the author has decided to retire on January 1st of next year. So he's going to give it away for free, but he won't be able to support it going forward. If you've ever thought you wanted to play with EasyNex software, well, you can still buy a license for it right now, or you can wait to the 1st of January, and it's going to be free. There's all the information right there, easynec.com. I noticed Andy said something about Huntsville. Yeah, I'm still planning on going, although the COVID case numbers seem to be going up. I'm I'm vaccinated, and I'm still, at this point, planning on going. Yeah, I'm, I'm planning on going as well. And I think email's planning on going. Um, not sure who else. I'm thinking Andy is probably going. I don't know. Well, if he's not, he should. Yeah, Ron suggesting. Um, I see Tom uh, WA2 IVDs in there, and he's mentioning uh, that I think he's indicating that he's possibly going as well. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it's only a month away. Wow. Actually, uh, got a notice, and it, it was kind of um, torturous because. As you know, our borders are still closed, and I can't cross the border at a land crossing anyway. And the uh, there's a big ham fest in Batavia, New York, uh, this weekend, tomorrow, actually. And um, couldn't go even if I wanted to. Yeah, well. Don't you, you, you have like a kayak or something? They're yeah. not monitoring the water. If you can get down to Mexico, <laughs> I think you can slip in. And I've seen I've seen things on TV where they went over those falls in the barrel. You could just do that and swim over to the other side. Yeah, unfortunately, the water is going in the wrong direction. If I was traveling from New York <laughs> coming over here, I'd be okay. Yeah. I'd have to swim upstream. Yeah, that's true. That's probably something you'd want to check out before you just jumped in. Yeah, Tom <laughs> says he's planning to be there. Cool. Well, Tom, we'll look forward to seeing you there. And Shreveport's coming up in August? Okay. I've never been to that one. I have. I would like to go back down to the one in rain again. And Slidell, October 8th and 9th. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to add that to my list. I might make that one. You know, I'm, try. I'm long overdue. For some jambalaya, but you know, last time it was so torturous standing in line there and seeing the guy right in front of me get the last bowl. Got the last bowl. Oh yeah. You just gotta get it early, I guess. Yeah. 
I, I shouldn't wait to the last minute, I guess. That's what you're saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Tommy, any final things you want to mention tonight before we go? No, it's been it's been a fun show, and uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks on Ham College. Okay. Sounds like a good idea. Mike, what about you? Uh, let's see. Uh, when thunder roars, stay indoors. Good, good plan there. Words to the wise. And me? Well, I just uh, hope to see some of you over in Huntsville. And I don't know, be the first ham fest for me and and a lot of us for quite some time. So looking forward to that and looking forward to seeing you, as Tommy said, at the end of the month for the next time college and middle of next month for the next amateur logic. Seven three everyone. Yep, seven three everybody. Good night. Seven three. Every Tuesday night, we've got something going on, too, that Tommy's thought we needed to do this. Actually, this was Mike's idea. I'm surprised after uh, last week's gag with the crockpot that uh, (laughs) folks are still talking to me. (laughs) George started a um, bonus question, and uh, that was on the last week's net. That has been hacked or photoshopped by Mike. That didn't originally say Crock-Pot on it. But we revealed what yeah. it really was. It was a ITT Jennings high-voltage vacuum relay.